you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. Uh, I'm pleased to announce we're welcoming back uh, our, our guest for a second time, Simon Severino, from uh, who is the CEO of Strategy Sprints. Simon didn't even remember that he'd been on the first time. What's that? What's that say about the Fearless Business Podcast, Simon? <laughs> I'm so excited to be here for the second time. That's the win of my week. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to be able to invite you back because. Um, we didn't actually finish our conversation last time because there is so much knowledge that you've got to drop on our on our listeners. Uh, and what we're going to be talking about today is about how some of the coaches, consultants and freelancers listening to this and watching this live can effectively fire themselves from their own business. So to fire themselves from fulfillment. This is something which, as we know, Simon, a lot of business owners struggle with. So let's start there. Why do you think business owners, especially sort of freelancers, coaches, are so attached to doing the delivery of their own work? When we start something, we do it because we are good at doing it. Let's say I'm good at making photos. So I continue doing it. I get more and more mandates. So first of all, my ego gets boosted. I think I am the impact not so much the tools, the technique, the other side, which really is where the impact is, where they are on their journey. But I am in the center of myself right now. So I think I'm the center of the universe. And the ego does this with us. We think we are so special. And um, when I was doing consultancy and I was doing coaching, I thought, wow, I'm getting so much back. This This is great. I love it. It's nurturing me. And if I give this up, if I stop coaching, well, first people will miss me because only only I can deliver the impact. That was a wrong assumption. And the second assumption was, I don't get this feedback back, but but it nurtures me. It's what feeds my soul to help people and to feel this help and to to hear, hey, thank you. you, you made my day better. You made my family happier. This is, of course, it feeds my soul. And so these were the two main things where I was too much grippling on it and not letting go. And I was so surprised when I did it. And I did it in the very last moment. I did it because I had to do it. I was the bottleneck of our growth. I could just not take on more clients because 24 hours, two kids, there is a limit. And so I did it in the last possible moment I, I downloaded my knowledge. I, I did 12 videos and 12 templates. I certified one coach. They started doing it and I saw that they are doing it even better than I am doing it. Did that hurt a little bit? Not really, not really. I was like freed up. I was like, <gasps> I was breathing again. And um, now we are 11 coaches that meet every Monday. And 
I, it's still feeding my soul because every Monday I go with these 11 coaches through all clients and you saw it. So we say, okay, what are their numbers? What, how, how is their experience? How happy are they with the sprints? How happy are their clients with their offering? And so I, I am part of it. I still am really involved, but it's just one hour of a whole week. And the rest of the time, I can do things that a CEO needs to do, which is growth-related activities, going to cool podcasts like yours that are influential, uh, discussing joint ventures with the right partners. We have started a joint venture with Google. We are starting joint venture with law firms. And now I have the time for that. Also, I'm doing now exercise and playing with my kids every day. And this is also important for the longevity of the business. I think this is what a lot of people, I mean, you raise a very valid point about like that attachment to the business, but in a very simplistic sense. So I talk a lot about um, net, uh, hourly rate being unethical, but actually it's it's the knock-on impact, for example, that hourly rate causes because you charge by the hour, but you forget about the costs involved with running your business and you forget about all the intellectual property that you've invested in yourself to learn. Um, and, and actually that's where like Simon's superpower is in creating the systems and processes and the ideas about how to grow businesses at scale and um and various things like that you know it's a really interesting insight that you've given us that actually there's somebody out there you come up with a great idea but there's somebody else who can deliver it better than you yeah and you are you are keeping it away from the world so whoever touches your magic and you know it because if you come from a good place with a good intention you are doing great work and most of the people listening here are doing amazing work with the people they serve to. So now if you just limit that to your time limits, let's say, let's say you have kids or even if you don't have kids, but you have friends, you have a life and then you run a business. So there is a limit of how many people you can help per week. So basically you're keeping your magic away from the world because you, you can just serve 10, 15 people and that's it. Yeah. Now, how many more people really need your touch, your magic, your, your wisdom, your tools? And so you can really amplify that. You can help also other people. Think of writing a book, like you wrote your sixth book. So a book, you put in half a year of work, but it helps people for 20 years, 25 years. I know of people right now that, that we know uh, in last week, Ali Abdal said that your book, um, uh, Take Your Shot, uh, was amazing and had impact on him. So that's influence, you know, you cannot do it. And he has millions of followers. So you cannot do it in the one hour, one uh, thing world, that's limited. But you have now impact with this, with this product. You have now impact for years on people who have impact uh, for years. So that's the ripple effect. So it's, it's a really interesting analogy, actually, because, um, you know, it's almost like you're kind of um, comparing, comparing your coaches to being a book because they just amplify your message and, and can deliver that implementation when you can't do it. And like some of the best results that I've, or, or um, best feedback I've ever had from the book is people who said, I've gone and implemented the, the things in the book and they actually don't need my help. 
they're the best clients ever because they're the ones, they're the raving fans who go around shouting about how good Take Your Shot is and it goes out to more people. And then there's a subset of people who can't, they read the book, they're inspired, but they can't implement themselves. And that's where they're, you know, they become great clients. Um, and I totally get that ego sort of connection to it. I, my theory is that it's driven from like the industrial revolution. So it's been like, we're now fifth, sixth, seventh generation you know, of going through the industrial revolution, whereby you, somebody, you know, even though machines came along, people still had to manage, like drive the machines basically like day in and day out, you know, from the moment the sun came up to the moment the sun went down. So we've had two years, 200 years of it ingrained into us about this job mentality and the importance of us showing up every day to do our job. And I found it really enlightening when I changed my coaching program into a group program, so not one-to-one -one anymore, I still have the odd one-to-one -one client, but they get to pay a premium for that. But when I went into group and then all of a sudden I got some time back to go down to the wave, do a bit of surfing or go out on my bike or like spend time with the kids or whatever it might be. And it felt really odd. It, I felt guilty. I felt like I was cheating on my business. And that's quite a hard, that was a really hard sort of mentality for me to get over. And I'm sure probably that, again, you experienced that when you went on that journey yourself. I'm sure a lot of your clients probably experienced this as well. Yeah, let's, let's go into that thing because guilt is something that I experienced in, in, in March, for example, when I, I started during the pandemic, I started go running every day. And now my wife said, oh yeah, you do sports every day? And what about me? Can I do that? And I was like, yes, I'd love everybody to have the chance to do it. And please, let's organize our world accordingly. So I went running, but during the run, I had this guilt feeling. So I came back and had a big conversation with my wife about what are our values, what is important to us to be a role model. And I was like, what do I want my kids to see? To see somebody watching TV or to see somebody that every day before breakfast has done his exercise, even if it's dark or, or cold outside. And, and I said, hey, these are my values. And that changed the whole guilt thing. And we organized accordingly. Then the second thing, in the business context, I had zero guilt, zero, because I saw that the impact was still there and even more. And that's everything I need to feel and to see. I need to see that it really works. If it works, I'm super happy and I can let go. I just have to really see that it really works. It's not just, yeah, people like the program. I want to see that they double their revenue every 90 days, that they have a higher sales efficiency, that their NPS score is going up. So their clients are saying, wow, this is amazing. I want more. I want my friends to have it. Then I can let go. So the work was to make it numeric, to get these numbers every seven days. And every Monday, I still collect the numbers with my hand in, an, in, in a spreadsheet. So even we, if we are big in automations, this is one thing that I do with my hands because I want to feel it. 
And it gives you the opportunity, doesn't it? It's that feedback mechanism. If you see a client who's maybe their numbers aren't quite there, at least you've got the opportunity to, well, you can either tell one of your coaches, hey, you need to spend a bit of time on this client, or, you know, we can parachute Simon in to come in and help that client out for a short period of time in order to accelerate them back forward again. And then it's like, you know, I mean, what does Superman do? Superman doesn't like come in and hang around and have a party. He comes in, saves the day and flies off again. And that's kind of how it should be. That's what a superhero does. If you think of a, a good online course or a good experience with a coach, it's it wouldn't be best to have, let's say, Robin coaches me on, on how how to how I, I write my book and publish my book in a good way. Now it wouldn't be the best use of of, of my time with you if you explain me everything for three hours. It would be much better you create a five minutes video, you put it somewhere where I can watch it. So I get all the theory and then I do something and then we talk for 10 minutes. That is a much better use of your time, of my time. That's how also the coaching gets more affordable. But it's just more natural instead of, oh yeah, I have to meet this coach. I have to spend one day in that city. Yeah, remember when we used to fly there and have one day workshop, five days workshop. How inefficient, a waste of money. And now they get a link, they have the 90 days ready, the whole topography is there, 274 videos, 274 templates, they pick their main 12 and they rock. Whenever it is time for them to do the work, they do the work. In between they play with their kids and then they test it five times in the market. And then they have a short call, a 60 minutes call with their sprint coach. That's a much more natural flow. It fits better into their life. So that, so, I mean, that's probably quite a big takeaway for people to get like out of this now. And I always, whenever something profound crops up, Simon, I always like to slow, slow the conversation down and actually tell everybody like something big's just happened here. So one key takeaway straight away there is like, if you find yourself doing a, um, coaching your clients or consulting with, you know, um, the businesses which you work with, uh, maybe even as a freelancer doing something like web design, if you find yourself repeating the same message over and over and over again to different sets of people, go and produce a video. Like, and it doesn't have to be like, it's not, doesn't have to be YouTube quality or, you know, high production level. It's just got to get the message across in like a really short, succinct way. That's going to help that person move forward. Cause you know, let's, let's talk about numbers here. If you, let's say for example, somebody's working with a hundred clients a year and they have to, it takes an hour to explain this specific model. Well, that's, that's a hundred hours that you're repeating that same message over and over and over again. Multiply that by 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 different models, which you use with your clients. And that's like hundreds of hours. Well, we only get 160 hours each month. You know, typically if you work normal sort of hours, nine to five, Monday to Friday, 160 hours a month. So if you're losing a hundred hours a year, repeating the same message, that's almost a month's worth of time. So record a video, send it out to the clients, and then have a short conversation about how they're going to implement it, what challenges they found with it, what feedback they've had from launching that idea. You know, I am even now, uh, I now whatever I do for the second time, I record. I don't even wait for a third time to happen. So the second time somebody asked me, hey, Simon, which sales number should I track? I answer the question, but I 
I have a I have Loom running, but you can use whatever ScreenFlow or whatever to just record what you are doing. And this five minutes video, you call it sales number, and then you have it there. You will use it twenty times in the same month. And and so I give it then to my sprint coaches. It becomes part of the sprint university. It's there for hundreds of people. But whatever you do twice, think about it, writing it down and giving it to a VA. You know, there are wonderful people uh, around the globe who love to help you with your work. And you can really hand them over some of these tasks. And uh, we have 14 virtual assistants right now. Wow. And we love it. And they're doing great stuff. And much better than, than, than I ever would. And, and how I do come up with this, maybe very, very applicable. So every day in the evening, I create my agenda for the next day. I write down 6.30 running, eight o'clock uh, CRM, nine o'clock record a video, et cetera. It's, a, it's really my flow of tomorrow. And um, then next day in the morning, I come in there, I just do it and I, I check them off. And at the very end, I have one question in that same template. And that question is, so I, I do it with my hand on my iPad. And the last question is, which one task of today would I hand over to somebody else who can do it even better? So every day I ask myself this question. At the end of the month, I go over the last 30 entries and I learn something from it. And then it says, hmm, okay, this client onboarding process, that somebody could do better than I do. Because I usually have the wrong link, I don't care, I'm in a hurry, I don't want to do it. So I write it down, I write down the process in five sentences with three links, and I hand it over to somebody. This other thing, hmm, the books, I'm not really good with the books. Outsourced the bookkeeping. But this is how you find the, the first things to delegate. Especially if you're a freelancer, you need to have some admin tasks uh, taken off from your plate. Otherwise, you are doing too much and you are not really focused on creating value. I suppose one of the things is like, because then, then like, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate now and put my, my, myself into the shoes of our sort of typical clients because... Um, the excuses will start to come out. Oh, I don't have the time to delegate it. I don't have the time to record a video. Uh, I can't afford to pay a VA to do this stuff. I can't afford to hire somebody right now. Um, my my attitude towards that is, well, um, like anything, sometimes you'll invest in this stuff and it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but if you don't if you don't give it a go, you won't know what the end result's going to be. Um, but but the key thing is, like, I think a lot of people see these decisions as binary. They see it as like, oh, if I'm going to hire somebody, I need to hire them full time. It's like. No, VAs work by the hour. You can just find a task that saves you an hour, two hours, five hours a month to start with. That's going to cost you like, what, 50 bucks, 100 bucks max? Um, you know, so what other kind of like, how do you kind of tend to address those sorts of excuses when they crop up with, with clients? Yeah. So the first one was, I don't have time to, <laughs> to hire. Yeah, that's exactly the point why you should hire. <laughs> because you are too much in the weeds. And uh, there is this there is this metaphor of these two guys who are who are cutting woods, and the one says, "Hey, maybe we should stop and sharpen the thing," and the other says, "No, no, no, we don't have time. Look how many how many trees 
we need to do next. So it, sometimes you, 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 you get faster by quickly slowing down, reflecting, taking the right decision, offloading, and then speeding up again. And I would now, in hindsight, I would start much sooner in the business. As, as soon as I have a revenue that is around 5K, 10K per month reliable, I would start bringing in two, three VAs. I would do all admin stuff, all bookkeeping stuff, and everything where you are bad at, where you're not precise, that you don't like, that uh, it's, not, it's not based on your strengths, I would start very soon, as soon as I have 5K, 10K regularly coming in, because it will, it will create five, 10 hours for you per week and they accumulate. So in one year, that's a lot of time that you gain. In this time, half of that, you can just live your life fuller, play with your kids, meet your friends, uh, go to concerts or make concerts. And, uh, on the, and the other time, you will work on growth activities, joint ventures, collaborations, um, uh, challenges, create challenges, involve more, involve more with the people who really matter. And so this will, this will create much more freedom and much more time. Well, in terms of like getting a VA though, because I mean, again, I've, I've been through this before and actually it's quite, it's quite hard to find a good one and it's quite hard to find one that's not overtly expensive. So if you're hiring in the UK, um, a VA will typically cost somewhere between 25 and 35 pounds an hour potentially. And that can accrue and, you know, the cost can mount up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've also got a couple of VAs myself that based out, uh, they're, they're not terribly reliable, but they're based in the, in the Philippines, for example, just to do some of the low value stuff whenever I, you know, need it done. Um, but the challenge with that then becomes sort of time zones and language barriers, and it's maybe not quite done to the same high standard. So how, how do you recommend somebody finds, you know, what's the balance? How do you find a good VA? Great question. So we, we send posts out in our social media and we send also, we write also on Crunchbase and on AngelList. And in the meanwhile, we have VAs who help us find other VAs, but that's how we started. Our socials, um, uh, Crunchbase and AngelList. And you write down, I'm searching for a virtual assistant or I'm searching for an executive assistant. You get a ton of people. Now you have to you have to cast around thirty to get one that has highest quality, and of course, <laughs> different countries, different prices. But it it really comes down to the task that you need and the skills related to that task. So my best experience is to take one VA for one task. Yeah, don't give them the whole marketing department. One thing, maybe it's just Instagram, maybe it's just uh, thumbnails on YouTube, even better. Thumbnails and tags and titles on YouTube is one great uh, thing to hand over, for example. And um, because they are good at that one thing. And uh, yes, you find on the Philippines wonderful people who, who are happy to work with you for five bucks. And in the UK, it's, it's more, and in the US, it's more. But it's, 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 not, 
it's not higher quality. It's just they have higher expenses around them. Yeah. Uh, we have great people in the Philippines. We have great people in China. We have great people in the US. Heading into, I'm um, going to change tack slightly, but heading into Q4, you know, in, in quite what is going to be for many, like one of the most challenging years that we will ever, ever had. Um, I think people are quite sort of positive about the outlook for 2021. So how can, how can the people listening to this podcast um, make the most out of the sort of the final quarter as we head into the new year? Oh, this is a challenging year. And I was thinking today while I was running, what are the key things that helped uh, us survive 2020? Because it's really about surviving. We had a cash crunch, uh, a huge cash crunch in March, and uh, that could have easily killed uh, the business. But so, but so what did really help survive this thing? One thing was that we do not rely so much on goals, but more on systems. So we have an SOP for everything. Yeah, And even if I, let's say that in March, I would just cry for a week and could not work because it's so bad what's happening. Even in that case, uh, you know, the whole system works. Every, every VA continues their work. And some of us had COVID, of course. So for one week, we had singular tasks not being fulfilled. But we could move around and other people could, could get that, into that task because of the SOPs. And that can always happen, you know, you, you can get knocked off for a couple of weeks. So you, sh you shouldn't have a, a, a key person risk in, in important tasks, but always have SOPs so that other people from the team can easily jump in, do that task for a couple of weeks and then get out of it again. So SOPs was the one thing. And SOPs, especially around sales. For example, I like to do long vacations and also this year, uh, we did our four weeks beach vacation. And that's, that's it's, it's holy, you know, we don't discuss whatever pandemic, non-pandemic, I don't care. It's a four weeks family beach vacation. Yeah. And, uh, and we did it. So in that time, I was really relying on having a good sales script. Most people don't have a sales script. So uh, my team was doing sales and they were doing a great job because they had one sales script that, that was working. And uh, I, I did sales for one year. We created that script and then I could hand it over. So this is the second thing that's really important right now. Uh, get your sales right. Get I, I, think they, I think as well, like this isn't just about like handing it over to a team. I think a lot of even just one man bands just don't have any of this stuff documented. It's very ad hoc. So, you know, what, what tends to happen is like they'll, they'll be doing their delivery of their work, their fulfillment of the work. And then somebody says, oh, I like what you're doing. That sounds interesting. Then you kind of slot them into your diary when you like to fit around everything else. And then you do the call, but without really any great planning or any script, as you say. And then there's no real process to follow up. And I think, I think what, what, I think what people should take from this is, um, well, one, one, sales is the most important part of business. The, the one goal in business is to make money. I don't care what people say. You can you you can have a separate purpose to that, which might be to help people. But the one goal in business is to make money. Uh, you know, unless you're a charity, but even then, charities still have to make money. Um, and and the only way to make money is to sell stuff, which means sales is actually top of the agenda, not fulfillment. People attach fulfillment to being the thing which actually makes the money, but it's not. It's the ability to sell. So we should be booking our sales meetings in it 
you know, regular times throughout the week, they should take priority over delivery, not be fit in around fulfillment. You know, um, when I started doing that, that was one of the biggest changes that happened to my business. So my coaching happens on specific days, specific times, but my sales consultations take priority over absolutely everything else and nothing gets booked into that time slot when I'm doing those calls. Cause I know that I'm then focused on it. Also, uh, when I book those, they get people, when they book them, they get a set, a series of emails. They get the same series of emails, each and every single person. So it's systemized. When I run the call, I run the call in exactly the same way, using exactly the same script for each and every client. When I've done the call, it's the same follow-up sequence that happens afterwards. When I get the enrollment, it's the same enrollment process. And what that delivers is consistency. Absolutely. So you can start by blocking off some time. Let's say you say, okay, Friday is my non-fulfillment day. That's where I will do sales and some admin and cleaning up and organizing. And then you expand that from then Mondays and Fridays are the days where you cannot be booked for fulfillment because you're doing sales. And then gradually you get the whole week for sales because that's really important. And that's that's really the basis for growth. Without that, you cannot have growth. Otherwise, you just rely on luck. And that's not a good way to build a business. You will, you will actually never build a business. Let me say it clearly. You will never build a business if you rely on luck. And if you just uh, do sales on top of fulfillment, you can have a, a series of great jobs, but never a business. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, when they get the sale as well, they're kind of too quick to go, oh, well done. Uh, I've got a sale. Great. But they don't actually ever analyze, like, what was it about that sales conversation that helped the person say yes and get closer to their goal? It's actually the analysis piece that I found is the piece which kind of makes systems work. If you're too quick to say, oh, yes, I've done really well. I sold that. Like, you're not analyzing. You're not seeing what, what it was that worked. So you go into the next sales call thinking I'm a great salesperson. They say no. And then you, it's, it's disappointing. And we're back to that whole like ego thing all over again that we were talking about at the start. I had that. I had that a lot. My first uh, 35 calls were like that. So if I was closing, I would feel great. And if I was losing it, I would feel low in confidence. What I did is I, I started recording them all. So it's now a standard, every sales call gets recorded. And I, I asked in the team, so I, I was lucky because one of our sprint coaches was doing sales for Coca-Cola. So I said, hey, Rudy, would you give me feedback on each session? Look, the first 35 are here in the playbook, please give me feedback. And so he gave me some feedback. This, Simon, is where you have to shut up. This, Simon, is where you, you are too early in features. This, Simon, is where you need to put in a guarantee. You don't have a guarantee. Now we have a money-back guarantee. So all these little things that the sales pros knows. Uh, give, give the recording somebody and you will get immense value from their feedback. And so you can improve it bit by bit. And then it becomes more of a process. It's funny, again, the fear kind of kicks in for a lot of people there, a bit like video and stuff like that. Oh, I couldn't possibly record my sales call, Simon. Like, sure. what, what would the client think? And I'm just like, but, but it's a bit like in Zoom now. You just get the little red recording dot and, and it says recording. And I, I've recorded, um, goodness, Simon, I've probably done 
five or 600 consultations with clients over the last four years. I've probably started recording them at the start of uh, uh, the end of 2018. And I've got over 300 calls recorded now, both the initial sales call and follow-up. And what I do for posterity from time to time, I'll just go and dip in. I'll listen to two yeses and one no um, as kind of part of my thinking time and reflect on, well, what was it that helped people get to a yes? What was it that helped people get to a no? And I'm of the same opinion of you. I, when I get a yes, when a client says, yes, I'm, I want to join fearless business. I'm like, great. When a client says, no, I don't want to join fearless business. I'm like, great. Cause actually both are really good results. It, if I followed my process and I know that it's a good filtering process to work out whether it's a good fit for the client or not. So I know that if there's a no there, great, I've actually done my job properly. If the client doesn't enroll, that's actually a really good result. Gives me capacity for clients who are perfect for fearless business. Absolutely. So I, I we, we measure our sales teams not but the number of yes that they get, but the number of calls and how much they learn from. So we strive to have not even not even more than 40% to 45% of yeses, because otherwise we are not filtering out enough. And, uh, and it's really a sales call is just a helpful conversations to find out where they are. And uh, if you can be that path to fast track their goals, or if you can just help them find somebody else that is the right one. And that's also an important part, build your network. Like, no, if, if, if the ball that they are sending is too, too small for you, who to send that ball to? If the ball is too big, who to send that ball to? And that's exactly your joint venturing part. That's, that's the joint venture system, to have other uh, professionals around you that can deliver value where you are not the best fit. And that's, and that's the best way to help somebody in that call. Say, well, I'm not the right one, but you, know, you should talk to Lisa. Yeah. And that, that kind of, it makes everybody look good as well. Um, I can't, can you believe it? We've gone, it's 30 minutes already. We've been chatting. Um, to kind of summarize though, I think, um, you know, we, we're, we've talked about um, kind of recording sales calls, ensuring that you've got kind of, um, you're, you're recording your your um, uh, successful sales calls as well as your unsuccessful sales calls. So you've got a feedback mechanism in there. Second thing you talked about was kind of introducing standard operating procedures um, so that you have you know, consistent systems to follow each and every time with each prospective client. Um, third thing we talked about was um, kind of starting to or look at outsourcing some of the day-to-day -day kind of fulfillment of your, your business as well. And it doesn't have to be everything, but find the right VA to do one job specifically well. So I think those are kind of the three key takeaways that I picked up on from our conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And if people want to want to get more around this, we have a free Facebook group. It's called Entrepreneurship in Sprints, and we are having fun there. So just pass by and uh, let's continue the conversation. Um, tell us very quickly about Strategy Sprints and kind of the work which you're doing in there, because I know it's, it's possibly for slightly bigger businesses, but I think people will definitely be interested to know a bit more about your, your kind of day-to-day -day work that your business does. Yeah, it's, it's simple. We do one thing. It's helping people double their revenue in 90 days. We do it via a one-to-one -one coaching. It's, it's a very intense 90-day coaching where we work 24-7 uh, in, in really improving your processes so you get more time. Our first goal is to really free up 10 to 14 hours of your time in the first 14 days of the sprint. Then we go over to simplifying your offer. So 
usually it's too broad and too varied of an offer. We do this and that and that and that and that. So how can we simplify it? What's the one thing? How does it transform the person? And what's the price? And, and then in the last bit of the sprint, we improve the sales system with the recordings, with the script. And then on top of it, the last 5% is to improve the marketing system. How do you now create content that is relevant, that is helpful, but with just investing two hours per week and reusing it eight to nine times in different platforms? That's, that's the sprint. 90 days, it doubles the revenue of service businesses. And it is perfect for people who are doing over 25K per month reliably and want to get to 50 to 75 to 90 uh, as quick as possible. Cool. Uh, and then if you want to check that out, um, your website strategysprints.com, isn't it? Um, you're also, are we allowed to talk about this? You're working on something which is quite, um, which I'm a part of and I'm, you know, is uh, really quite fascinating. So it's the, you mentioned about joint ventures. So we've got the joint venture club as well, um, which is an awful lot of fun. And I think this is, um, it's probably a little bit of bonus content, but I think a lot of people underestimate the value of partnerships and investing the time in building those partnerships. Um, and, um, already kind of what well, it's been up a week and I think there's already a bit of business kind of going on between the members of that group um, talk to us about sort of partnerships and why JVs are so important very very briefly just as a bit of bonus at the end yeah I think in these times it's quite inappropriate to do sales as you have always done like cold sales is not really appropriate right now businesses are struggling uh, they they need their money they are very intentional with their spending so find a more natural, more appropriate way to react to Q1 of next year, to Q4 right now. And I find for us, the best way is to just cooperate. So build intentionally out your network and find people who serve the same group as you are serving, but have a complementary product that they offer. And so what I do is I bring these people together. I say, hey, you, you all work with this kind of target group, but you have different things and you all rock. So, hey, let's come together and let's do a structured joint venturing system. That's, that's basically it. And everybody can do it. So think about your network and think of who can you bring together because it would amplify their impact. And they will be thankful to you. And of course, you will be part of their network just by doing that. And that's how you grow and nurture relationships. And this is the most important thing to do. And it's a very natural way of cooperating. And of, of course, it, there is sales coming out of that because you do webinars together, you, you push each other books, launches, etc. So you are doing revenue growth, but in a very natural way. You know, my kids are cooperating all the time. That's what kindergarten is for, to learn cooperation. It's a very natural thing that people do. Uh, yeah. and we, we live in like really remarkable times as well. Like this is one of the best opportunities we're ever going to have, I think, to be able to kind of build, forge those relationships and jump onto calls with people and uh, get groups of people together, like you say, who have um, similar vested interests. I, I think this is one of the biggest mistakes. I'm going to have a little bit of a gripe now. One of the biggest mistakes that a lot of local networking meetings make is they kind of just take a load of random businesses and smash them together and hope that business happens. What you're saying is be much more strategic about it. Actually, 
find businesses that have strategic alliances that have similarities, then pull those together and you'll get much better results out of it, which kind of makes perfect logical sense, really. Absolutely. That's why I never went to networking events and I'm famous for not going to networking events and not doing networking. I hate it. It's a waste of time. Yeah. So I created this, this structured and disciplined uh, way, which is a, a very precise system uh, with the whole components that you will see the other components in the next weeks. There are nudges, etc. So, yeah, that's a time effective um, thing to do. I did like all the other networking events where I where I've been part of. So I tried to find out how can we do this more time effective and more impactful. That's it. So that, that thought of kind of walking into a net. I mean, I, I used to run a networking meeting myself and tried to use your approach, but it kind of like walking into that, opening the doors up, walking into networking is, ooh, just gives you that kind of <laughs> shiver down your spine, doesn't it? Anyway, on that positive note, no, we uh, <laughs> um, let's wrap up here. So if you want to get in touch with Simon, um, go and check out um, uh, his website, strategysprints.com um, and also the Facebook group, which Simon mentioned as well, which we'll make sure we do update and share into the show notes. Uh, so you can go join in the party, um, uh, hopefully start some, uh, forge some amazing partnerships in that group. And you've also got your podcast as well, haven't you, Simon? It's just called The Strategy Show, I think. Yeah, I renamed it after you and Ali and this nice bunch of people. You gave me the feedback. Why don't you just call it Strategy Sprints like everything else? And I said, oh, it's right. So since this is strategy sprints podcast. Nice. Excellent. So do go and check that out. Simon, as always, um, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving up your time this morning to come and chat to um, the Fearless Business crew. Thank you so much. And everybody there, stay safe and keep rolling. 